Hello and welcome to the Try Talking Sport podcast hosted by me, Joanne Murphy. Whether you are an athlete, adventurer, endurance enthusiast or simply have an interest in sport, you have come to the right place for inspiration, encouragement, motivation and as always plenty of entertainment. I hope you all had a lovely Easter and a luscious long weekend. I took full advantage of having the bank holiday at home, chilled out with my mum and sister, met a couple of buddies for coffee and general faffing, did a few jobs around the house and got on my bike for a couple of spins. I was definitely in a motivation funk last week. I just couldn't motivate myself to move. I felt a little bit off all week, thankfully not COVID, but I had no motivation to tackle any big tasks or even get on my bike, which to be fair is quite unusual. I did manage to do an hour on Zwift on Sunday and then on Monday a gang were heading out for a 100k spin so I decided to start with them and make a plan as we went along. I was thrilled to get the 100k done despite the headwind we had for almost 70 kilometres of it. Plus I seem to have found my mojo again thankfully, rounding out the day with our Monday Zwift spin and adding another 30k on the turbo to my tally for the day. Long may the motivation continue. I think maybe it's time to set a new goal or pick a race that I can train for something rather than meander along aimlessly. Hopefully, I will pick up some more motivation next month in Utah. Yes, Utah, you heard me correctly. I am thrilled to be joining the announcing team for the Ironman World Championship events taking place this year. I'm heading to St. George next month for the World Championships and then we'll head back out to the States in October to Kona and to St. George. Totally excited and, if I'm honest, a little nervous. But it's good nerves, the butterfly ones, like you get on the morning of a race, which just need to be embraced. It's a huge honour to be invited to join the team and I'm looking forward to working with Mike Riley, Paul Kay, Tom Siebert and Eric Gilson as well as the wider Ironman team at the event. I cannot wait to get out to St. George, meet the athletes and their supporters, enjoy the World Championships up close and see how the racing all unfolds on May 7th. Did you know we have a new facility on TryTalkingSport.com where you can now list your event for free on the site? So if you have a race or event coming up, drop me an email, TryTalkingSport at gmail.com and we can arrange to list your event for free. Yes, it is free. Or maybe you are looking to sign up to a race, you can check them out on the site. There's quite a few to choose from. Speaking of events, marathon season is well underway and Gary O'Hanlon, running coach and former national marathon champion, shares some of his top tips for getting to the start and finish line of your next marathon in one piece. The ultra-distance cycling calendar is filled full of events this year and Porik Mary, cyclist, coach, advocate and race organiser from Raceface, shares some of his top tips for embracing rather than just enduring a long day or long days in the saddle. You can check out these articles in the Performance Hub section on www.trytalkingsport.com. The open water triathlon season is quickly approaching here in Ireland and we have a 25% discount code for the events in Loch Coutre on May 28th and 29th in Galway. The discount is valid across all Castle Race Series events in the UK as well this season. So simply use the code TTS252022 on www.castlerayseries.com to avail of the discount. We've also got some discounted entries for a number of events hosted by the Bear Group and Run Dublin. Use the code TTSBG2022 to access the 10% discount on all of their events now listed on TryTalkingSport.com. Finally, don't forget to check out the product range from our partners in Nuisan, the Galway-based natural skin and body care brand. Use the code TTS15 to get 15% discount on all of their products on www.nuisan.com. You can tell them Joanne sent you and I can tell you right now the CBD muscle gel is simply superb. I honestly would not have been able to get on the turbo on Monday night after the 100k on the road if I hadn't used the gel post-ride on Monday afternoon. Now to this week's episode with triathlete and coach Oliver Harkin of Primed Coaching. A keen age group triathlete, he races at all distances of the sport of triathlon from sprint to Ironman and everything in between. Following his passion for sports saw him change career and take a leap of faith into sport full-time as a coach when he decided to ditch the 9-5 to Monday to Friday job as a computer programmer to dive into triathlon as a coach. His interest and background and number is still to the forefront as he delved into this whole new world of sport and he loves it. Embracing the tri-life sport has become a huge part of his everyday. He has raced nine Ironman events since first dipping his toes into long-distance triathlon in Mallorca in 2014. His so-called one-and-done plan quickly put to the back of his head after enjoying the challenge of going long. Catching the Ironman bug, he has gone on to race in Lanzarote, Wales, Barcelona and raced at Kona in 2017, finishing sub-10 on the Big Island. In just a few short weeks, he will race in Lanzarote before heading to Kona once again to embrace the island and the 2022 World Championship event. 
He has coached multiple Ironman finishers, world championship qualifiers, race winners, ITU national representatives and some of the most talented age group triathletes across the country. Dad to four children, he juggles daily life with his wife Roisin in Newry, where he is a coach and member of Newry Triathlon Club. He's also the resident coach on the team RWB Monday Night Social Zwift Spin, where we while away an hour on the turbo every Monday night from 7.30pm. In this episode, Oliver shares his journey in sport, his passion for chasing goals himself and supporting his athletes to do the same. He gives us some top tips for embracing your race, from training and race day preparation to getting your fueling right and the importance of having fun and enjoying the process of getting not only to the race start line, but most importantly, to the finish line. Now go on, grab a cuppa and enjoy the show. Oliver Harkin, welcome to the Try Talking Sport podcast. Well, this is a change. Uh, We're talking to each other, but I am not on my bike and neither are you. Great to be here, Joanne. Usually we have a, a bit of a chin wag on a Monday, but we're usually rivers of sweat and huffing and puffing on the turbo on our Monday's Rift spin. So it's a nice change. It is. Uh, so tell me, how has your training gone this week since I was talking to you on Monday? Uh, we have four training weeks to go before Ironman Lanzarote. Uh, so the um, shit's fairly hitting the fan now, if I'm allowed to say that. Is the pressure uh, on? Pressure's on, pressure's on. Everyone's getting very excited. Uh, Ironman Lanzarote is probably is the first major of, uh, fall distance event. Um, actually, no, I was going to say the first fall distance, but Mallorca is, is two weeks before it uh, on the 7th, but um, Lanz is on the 21st of May. So we're all, all the athletes are gearing up for this first uh, big hit out of the, of the season. Everyone's getting very excited. You enjoy the tougher races, Oliver. Wales, Lanzarote, Kona. I prefer lumpier courses, to be honest. Uh, I find it uh, suits me better. Uh, I've done Ironman Wheels twice, and now I'm heading to do Ironman Lanzarote for the third time. And hopefully in October, I'll have completed Ironman Kona for the second time. So, yeah, I do like the, the meteor the meet here events. Having said that, I, uh, 2023 is already lined up to have Ironman Portugal, to have a crack at Ironman Portugal. And also looking ahead further, Copenhagen is on the on the menu as well. I've heard great reports about those two races, so can't wait to get stuck into them. Yeah, I can't say anything about uh, Copenhagen because I wasn't there, but Ironman Portugal in Cascais is just amazing. It was just a fabulous weekend. This will be my second trip to Kona, and I think after that, I'm going to focus more on sort of family uh, trips to the likes of Portugal and taking the whole family over there and make it more of a family holiday with the Ironman rather than Ironman being everything um, that it has been recently. So the kids are getting older. I've got four kids between the ages of 11 and 16 now. So a scary thought of my eldest um, learning to drive next summer and ha- having to you know borrow the car keys. It's like, my God, how, how did that happen? So I want to go away to these races uh, with my family and, and seeing them doing the Iron Kids and, and taking part in that side of things. Do any of them do triathlon? Are they inspired by dad's endeavours in sport? They're, they're determined not to do triathlon after uh, all the huffing and puffing that I do. Uh, they, they swim, they're in the swimming club. Um, they do a bit of mountain biking, but nothing, uh, nothing triathlon related, related as yet. They uh, do enjoy the open water swimming, so I think that might be an, an end road for them. But when, when they see me crossing the line and collapsing and fainting and, and uh, wimping out, they sort of go, "That's that's that's not for them." Well, and I wasn't going to mention about the fact that you cried. <laughs> on a I didn't line, cry. Or that you nearly fainted. You did cry. I did not cry. Did. Don't be telling lies now, Joanne. Come on, Oliver, there was, tell the truth. There Where was a were bit we? Of, there, I had contact lenses in for for ten hours, and my my eyes were very dry uh, at that time, Joanne. I was at Ironman Wheels in 17 or Ironman Wheels? No, in 16, was it? it was the first I time remember. in Ireland. Uh, you're making it up anyway. See, you can't remember the details here because it never <laughs> happened. In 2016, I went over to do Ironman Wheels with no expectations. I was using it as a, a recce uh, to see if I could do pretty well the following year. So I went over in 16 and I had the... I've done nine Ironman and that was the only race that I've ever experienced where I felt like I was racing. I felt like I was fast in the water and the transitions were slick and I was chasing a few Irish guys on the course, on the bike and on the run and just to come around the corner, and the, the, the finishing shoot in, in Tenby is just phenomenal. 
did the whole airplane, side to side, high-fived everyone, crossed the line, looked back, it was 10.02, we went, oh, so close, to sub-10, and I didn't know where I finished, the tracker wasn't quite working that day, and you came over to me, we went, well done, Oliver, I think you've come second, and you're going to Kona. And I went, no, no, I think you're mistaken. I don't think that's right at all. And went over to my wife and then my father-in-law, who's a, a big country farmer who, who, who hoped for a, a Gaelic plain uh, son-in-law and got a wee wimpy guy who running around in Lycra. Uh, and he came back and said, yeah, yeah, you're going to Kona. And I went, yay. And then all the adrenaline left me and I slid down the, the hoardings and got wheeled away in a, in a in a wheelchair to the to the uh, medical tent so uh Ironman to the disgust of my father-in-law as I wheeled away <laughs> no he was a great supporter in fact I must have um, been welcoming some other athletes on the finish line because I don't remember that but I remember the crying and the tears all right but that was nah, it you're, you're making it up you're yeah making... yeah but you know what real men wear pink and grown men can cry so you know there's nothing wrong with shedding a few tears after a phenomenal performance in Wales, where did this passion for triathlon come from? Because we were chatting off air beforehand and we met, I think it was 2012 uh, at the Dublin City Marathon Expo. You were involved more so on the running side of things, I think, at the time. And I think it was in the tri zone that year. My timing might be off, but I think it was. But there was no triathlon, I think, in your life at that stage, was there? It was uh, tentative at that stage. I was trying to bring a few runners, a few mar- marathon runners over to the dark side off triathlon at that stage. But if you, if you go back even further, when I was growing up, up to about the age of 17 or so, Joanne, I, I played soccer and Gaelic football to a very, very exceedingly poor level. I uh, thought you were going to say to a very no, high level. <laughs> no, I couldn't kick snow off a rope. Uh, absolutely rubbish. And then I went to university in Galway and had a great old time of uh, university life, shall we say, in Galway for a few years and then up to Belfast, did my master's all the time doing maths and computers and, and nerdy stuff like that. Started into um, into work as a computer programmer and then after a couple of years realized it, it wasn't for me. And so we're talking about the, the turn of the millennium, 1999, 2000, all the way back then, I, I decided my, uh, I needed to turn things around decided to go into coaching, um, became a PT, a uh, personal trainer first, so that gave me a good grounding in strength and conditioning and the nutrition side of things, and then into swimming coaching. And the great thing, and I, I highly recommend this to any coaches out there or coaches starting off, get your swimming badges, uh, learn to teach kids to swim. If you can teach kids to swim, you, you can teach anyone to do it, I think. Because just an example, on a Friday night, I used to have 10 10-year-olds in front of me and I was trying to coach them. And at any one time, you'd have three of them under the water. You'd have three of them waving to their mummies and daddies and another one or two doing handstands. So if you, you learn quickly that it's, it's the drip-drip effect of trying a little bit on it at each session. And over weeks and months, they learn how to become good swimmers. It's not the importance of up in any one particular session. So anyway, got my badges, did the triathlon levels one, two, and three, and had, you know, I was down the road of triathlon coaching. And that's where I met you then at the uh, at the marathon expo for the first time around 2012. Uh, had a good few people doing the marathon at the time, so I was down uh, helping them and helping other people on the coaching side. And look at you now. Uh, it's been great. I, I, I took a, a big thank you to uh, to the support of my uh, my good lady wife, who who suggested that and encouraged me actually to take a chance. And I packed in the old job of uh, computer programming and, and took a chance on the on the coaching side of things. And it was it was great to have a passion to find something you're really passionate about. To, to go for it with everything you have and every morning you, you, you wake up and you're you're going to meet someone at a pool deck or you've got a running track session and you're meeting positive encouraged people who are do, taking on wonderful goals of maybe giving up the fags or changing their lives or learning to swim it's just it's just a wonderful way of life and then you come on to the swift spin on the monday night and between the two of us we cause awful mayhem well, you, thankfully, we ha- you have to read out the, the rules uh, on the Discord channel every every um, every Monday. Uh, it's good crack. The hour flies by, and to be honest, 
it's one of the reasons why I'm, I'm in decent shape at the moment because there's been a lot of Monday sessions where Monday and evenings I'll be going, oh, I'm a bit tired here, but Joanne needs me to turn up. And <laughs> so we just turn up and we just talk rubbish for an hour. And we put in a few sprints and we're feeling good. But just that's another aerobic hour added and it starts off the week in, in, in great, great form. Yeah, yeah, I love it. It's about a year and a half now at this stage. Uh, it'll it. be, it was 2020, September 2020 as part of Bike Week. We kind of really? kicked it off and then we started wow. it the following week, really, wasn't it? So it's mad wow. when you think about it. Yeah. Well, um, we had I, like I, almost 300 people, you know, doing what we asked them to do and, and <laughs> listening to us talk really informative, highbrow stuff on, on the Discord channel. But what I love about it is the fact that there's so many, okay, so there's lots of people on the spin. There's less people maybe on the Discord channel, but there's still loads of people um, on the spin. And even in Lanzarote, you know, I'd never met Cathy Cunningham or Lucy McDermott or say Fiona Kelly from Wicklow. And I'd raced against them and I'd ridden with them in the, on the Monday night spin yeah. or with some of the RWB uh, races and events. But it was so cool to actually meet them in person. And you get to learn so much about people even when you're racing them, because you might be chatting to them, you know, on Facebook Messenger or on Instagram or whatever. So it brings that whole social connection to a new level. And even last year at a couple of the Irish races that did go ahead, it was great to meet people who came up and said, oh, I've been doing your Zwift spin or I've been doing this, that or the other. And, and it was really cool. But I definitely agree with you that there are Monday nights where at six o'clock, I'm like, oh, God, do I have to get on my bike now? <laughs> I really do want to get on my bike. But yeah. actually, you do turn up because you enjoy the the banter and the crack and then there is a kind of a sense of obligation as well to to turn up at every time that you can I know there's times when both of us have been away gallivanting at the same yeah. time and we have to give a big shout out to Karen and Russell who have been leading the charge for us in our absence mainly although Russell hasn't been seen on a Monday night for quite a while now I don't know where he, yeah he, he's disappeared off the scene he, he, uh, I don't know what he's been up to I think he's been celebrating just handing back the yellow jersey back to me for, for a few weeks <laughs> yeah I think he might be afraid that if he signs on either either one of us might <laughs> He's worried he'll get a job, yeah. He might get a job. Anyway, yeah, so a big shout out to uh, to Karen and to, to Russell um, and also to Elaine, who's kept the wheels turning as well while we were off gallivanting in March. I want to come back, Oliver, and talk to you about your own journey then from, I suppose, when you kind of got stuck into triathlon. You know, where did the interest in Ironman come from? Because really your focus over the past few years has been on the long distance racing as opposed to short and Olympic distance racing. Yeah. So traditionally, back when I started, there wasn't the same sort of um, focus or attention on the on the long distance, um, the the shorter distance, and there was was the focus, and there was more of a traditional route of getting good at the sprints and the Olympics for many years, and then maybe dabbling once or once or twice in the seventy point threes. But it was a very small contingent of people that went towards the extreme of the Ironman and the long distance triathlons. And I, that was me. I spent about eight years loving the Irish scene um, of sprints, Olympics, the national series, traveled all around the country from Donegal to Cork and Kerry. And the, the main race when I was in, uh, in my peak you know, of 30s or whatever, if you can call it a peak, was Hell of the West in Kilkee, County Clare. A brilliant uh, race. That was a brilliant race. Start of June, everyone in the country from the north, south, east, west, all turned up for that weekend in Kilkee. Hard race, hard partying afterwards, and everyone just just focused on it. So when when I you know when I was starting off, the main races were that one, the Hell of the West, and I also Loch Ney, which actually held uh, an ETU. Uh, championship race and we, we had the pleasure of seeing Javier Gomez and Alistair Brownlee racing at that when he was only maybe 16 so they were the main races on the, on, on the island at that stage and then over time as, as I developed as a, as a coach more and more people were dabbling into the longer stuff and I was coaching them and I was coaching them as for endurance and, and, and building them up and getting them ready for a, a 10, 12, 14 hour day but I knew the stories were coming back about how mentally tough it was for the athletes. So I sort of said, right, I'm going to have to delve into this myself. So in 2014, I did my first Ironman in Mallorca. And again, yeah, lots of people are physically prepared for it. But mentally, 
it's it's really really tough um there's some dark moments and dark times on every race no matter how fit you are and you're you're running along and you see exceedingly fit looking people you know sat on the side of the curb either crying or vomiting their guts up and uh you know it, it, it really tests you physically but more so mentally prepare for that We'll come back to all of that piece around the mental toughness in a few minutes. I want to kind of um, chart your journey a bit uh, towards where we are now. So you've done quite a few races since uh, that very first one in 2014 in Mallorca. And now you are on the road to Lanzarote and Kona 2022. Yeah. So I, my first one was September uh, 14 in Mallorca. And then after that, I sort of realized I had a lot to learn. And I needed to um, get a bit more experience under my belt. The first one was like a lot of people was only supposed to be a one and done. And I wanted to do it as an athlete and also to get the experience from the coaching perspective, for the, as I said, for the mental side of it. But then across the finish line, it was such a buzz. It was just the highest of highs. It was fantastic. And then I signed up to do Ironman Nice uh, the following June and then Barcelona. In 2016, I took on the challenge of the, the big daddy, I call it Ironman Lanza. Right? I think it's the hardest race for, for anyone to do. So I did Lanza and then I thought might as a follow up with a nice easy one in Ironman Wheels uh, in September. And as I said to you earlier, um, Wheels, I thought uh, I had a good chance of qualifying for Kona in, in Wheels, but not on the first effort. I thought I'd, I'd need a couple of goals at it. Uh, but I surprised myself and I surprised everyone uh, around me when I qualified for Kona in September 2016. So to prepare for Kona, I thought my Lanza is a very hot, hilly, hard event. I thought that's the perfect location to prepare for, for Kona. So went back to Lanza uh, in preparation for, for Kona in October 17. Had a wonderful time there. Had a wonderful time and decided... Ironman Austria was going to be the next one. I had heard great reports of that. Went to Austria with a, a big crew from Uri Tri Club. Had a wonderful time. The race didn't go to plan, but it gave me the fire that I wanted to get back to Kona again. So by the time that September uh, 19, I went to Wales, qualified for Kona uh, again. Very, it was a totally different race to the previous effort. I had a fight tooth and nail. Um, it was not smooth. I almost didn't make the first 400 meters in the swim. Uh, it was a, like a, a mini panic attack at the start of the swim and couldn't get my breath. I was looking for the uh, exit, but I managed to calm myself down. Got through it and ran my way to third in, uh, in that race, got my corner slot. But it's been, you know, I've been twiddling my thumbs since September 19, waiting to get to Kona. So it's like, that's probably three years waiting to, 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 to do that race and we're now only a few months away from it and uh, only a few weeks away from Lanzarote yeah yeah so I generally recommend two races two Ironman races especially people starting off to the main reason is to is you need to learn about pacing and primarily about your nutrition you really need to dial into the nutrition so if you're only doing one Ironman a year and you get your nutrition wrong it's a long wait before you get a chance to do it again whereas if you're doing the two one in May one in September October it gives you two bites to get that sorted and then once you've got your nutrition sorted then you can be more picky and just drop it down to one Ironman a year if you wish so that's got Lanza again I'm going to do some 70.3s in Ireland uh, Sheephaven up in Donegal in the end of June and then I'm on the lookout for another 70.3, maybe at the start of August, doing some cool local races. I always personally do a sprint, an Olympic, a 70.3 and an Ironman every year. And I really encourage my athletes to do a, a sprint, an Olympic and a 70.3. The 70.3 is good practice, but the sprints and the Olympics are just good crack. At the end of the day, all the athletes I coach, I'm sorry to inform them, none of them are going to the Olympics. We're age groupers, we're 30 plus, we're uh, in it for good health, we're in it for good crack, we're in it to see nice destinations and to be social. And that's that's the main point. And, and sometimes age groupers lose sight of that, that you know, being healthy, uh, being social, going to see nice places, that's 
that's the main focus point. And when, as age group athletes, we do begin to lose sight of the bigger picture of the fact that it is meant to be fun, it is meant to be social, and we we are lucky to actually get to do this. It can go the other way, Oliver, where we become too ingrained and too indoctrinated into the whole, I have to train for three sports every day or five days. So how do you as a coach rein people back in and give them a dose of reality without knocking them? Well, it, it comes down to, they have to establish a routine and build up build up a certain training momentum and try to keep that momentum going. The major factor that affects triathletes is too much intensity. So if, if you have a certain amount of volume and most of it is, is low intensity, your body adapts to that and recovers from it very well. And you can keep that going for weeks and months and, and for Ironman, getting good at Ironman, years, you know, it's, it's a long-term project. But once you start adding in too much intensity, that's where the body can't handle it. So, you know, we, we talked about the Zwift that being very good, but uh, the Zwift racing is is very enjoyable. It's a very, very hard effort. But I, I try to cap my athletes to one sort of Zwift race of 35, 45 minutes per week because it's just too, too intense. It just wrecks them. It is good fun, though. It is good fun, but... Once a week is more than enough. So our, our social spin is, is incredibly, you know, social and chatty and easy with a few little sprints. And then if they add in just one session, if they add in a race, uh, you know, on Wednesday or Thursday, and then the longer stuff and some hills at the weekend, that's a nice, that's a nice combo. That's that's everything covered. That's all your boxes ticked. But the, the athletes are, are, are always too eager to add in more intensity and be aggressive on the intensity side of things. And it, it, it's not going to, it gives them short, short-term gains, but it, long-term it, it doesn't sustain them. And then you have the side where we feel like we have to be training every day or we have to be doing these long spins. Like I know now if I, if I go out and I do an hour and a half on the bike, I think like I haven't done enough. I'm not training for anything at the moment, but I feel like if I do an hour and a half on the bike, I haven't done enough. I can barely run a 5k and I'm delighted with myself for the, the half an hour run. Now I probably just don't push it enough in on the, on the run and my legs might be fatigued from biking generally. How do you pull it back from doing overdoing the training, pulling aside the intensity, but this, fear factor almost that we have to be doing something every single day and maybe not just one sport but maybe two of the sports and just I suppose giving yourself a bit of a break that you're not going to burn out six weeks before your race because you're overtraining. yeah well, most people are, are, are far too hard on themselves it's funny over in Lanzarote I was talking to several athletes who are, are, are coached by other people and they are so determined to have green lights appear on their training peaks that they no matter how tired or, or sick or unwell they are they still do the session and so they can get a, a green tick on the training peaks and I, I'm saying that's that's totally going to hamper you uh, you know that's going to really affect you in the long run you, you need to listen to your energy system so one of the main things I try to teach at the start is Listen to your energy systems. Listen to how you feel. How do you feel in the morning? Do you have high energy? So if the coach has a, has you to do a high energy training session, do you have high energy for that session? And if you don't, then you need to move things around. The coach wants you to do the high energy session only if you have high energy for it. And that's where we usually have a plan A, plan B, and perhaps a plan C for the session. So if you're feeling good, do this feeling not so good try that and if it's if you're still not so good try a c spin the legs out and prepare you know go to bed early and, and prepare for the next day so that's the way of, of keeping people consistent you mentioned earlier there about um you know iron man being physical and mental talk to me about how you prepare personally to get through um a 10 or an 11 hour iron man that you might be doing well the the long Training spins and the long runs in your own thoughts are, are what's going to prepare you for, for what's going to happen on race day. So we're at the stage now coming up to, to Lanzarote and to Mallorca and things like that where people are doing what I call a, a big training day or a metric training day. So they're doing the metric equivalent of a full Ironman. So it's a, 
full Ironman is 2.2 mile swim. So you do a 2.2 kilometer swim. You get changed, hop on your bike, you do 112 kilometers off a bike and then you do a 26.2 kilometer run. So it's a five eighths of an Ironman day. That's going to give you a great flavor of what you've got in store for yourself. And it's actually harder. Most most athletes are heading away to places like New York or Barcelona or uh, Lanzarote where the roads are so smooth and there's no fatigue from the vibrations of Irish roads. So if they can go out on Irish roads for three and a half, four hours by themselves, the mental toughness that builds means that when they do go to the lights of New York or Lanzarote and there's people shouting and roaring and encouraging them, there's just there's other athletes, there's other distractions, it actually makes it physically and mentally a bit easier for them that there's there's more going on. And it also gives them a flavor of uh, making sure their nutrition works out well, that they're comfy in their tri-suit or their or cycling gear, whatever they're going to use, that other equipment is working uh, correctly. So that when they turn up on race day, they just treat it like another big training day and just be steady. It's just another steady day. And that's good advice for people going to do the 70.3 distance as well, to do that metric distance as a, a pre-race tester almost. Yeah, well, I had a, a couple of guys last week um, do the big training day and they very correctly got the nutrition that was going to be used on race day and tried it. It worked for some of the athletes, but it didn't it upset it give other athletes an upset stomach. So they, they're going to have to come up with a different plan, which is better to find out now than on race day. And just uh, and the, small, the small details matter. Uh, you, make a, you make a slight uh, error or slight uh, miscalculation, and it gets just magnified when you're out for, a, for an Ironman day. So this athlete uh, normally would take... Um, Haribo jellies as part of his nutrition, just Haribo jellies. But for some reason, he wasn't able to, wasn't able to find them. And the only one they had was the sort of sugary, uh, fizzy version of them. And just that small change over the course of many hours meant his stomach was wrecked. Just instead of regular uh, Haribo jellies, he had the fizzy ones and it, it wrecked him. So no more uh, fizzy jellies for his race coming up. And note to self, if you're traveling abroad, bring your favorite brand of jellies and the actual product uh, with you for your race. Don't be relying on the fact that you may or may not get them uh, in the local town or village that you're staying in. Yeah, exactly. The, the, the number of people that, uh, you know, you ask them how to go and it went poorly because all oh, the nutrition didn't work for me. And what did you use? I just used whatever they gave out on, on race day. I, had, you, had you tried it before? No, no, I just, I just assumed it would be okay. You, you, can't, you can't do that. You can't assume it's going to be okay. It has to be tried out. The, the one downside in Ireland is, is we don't have the heat. So we can try out. We can do you know, many, many hours on terrible, terrible roads. And, and then when we go away, it, it's, it's much easier. We can try out our nutrition and be happy with that. But how the athlete handles 30-degree heat or 25-degree heat that's that's experience uh you know you go over to lanza you've tried out many things but that 25 to 30 degrees makes a big difference makes and of course difference. the sweat loss as well the amount of salt that you lose as well is probably important in the heat yeah and the heat makes you it makes you thirsty you're not going to eat as much on the bike you're, you're thirsty you're not going to eat as much so you sort of have to factor that in that you're going to maybe perhaps take calories more from your from your fluids I would still try to take some solids on on the bike. Your heart rate's lower on the bike. You can take on some some, some solids. Uh, I've I've had athletes with the full uh, full range of nutritional requirements. I've had one athlete who did Ironman Frankfurt, and all he could take was was gels. He couldn't take solids at all on the bike or the run. So he did the whole day on on, on gels. I think it was about eighteen gels he took over the course of the. Uh, of the day, wow. that, that famous photograph you see on the, of the top tube with all the gels, uh, sellotape to the top tube, that was pretty much him. Uh, he, he got to the finish line, got his medal. I don't think he slept for about four days afterwards. Uh, he, he, and then I've had another guy who couldn't stomach the, the, the sugary stuff. The gels didn't work for him. 
Uh, he tried bars that didn't work for him either, and he ended up doing Ironman France with um, Jamaican gingerbread, oh, ging- yeah. Jamaican ginger cake. So he basically sliced it up with butter, individually wrapped, and he got his Ironman medal using Jamaican ginger cake. I remember in Roth, um, I used to train with white bread sandwiches with uh, like strawberry or raspberry jam because I was always afraid Ooh. of the GI issues on the run. Of course, in Germany, the jam is slightly different to what we have here and so is the bread. So okay. hadn't thought about testing the jam or tasting the bread before the race day, you know, the couple of days beforehand. So on the day I had the sandwiches packed. Yeah, no problem at all. Went to go take a bite out of the sandwich and nearly puked. And that was oh the dear. end of my race nutrition. Oh so no. I got around the bike course in Roth on um, a banana and I think it was Mars bars they were giving out. And that's what oh. my and whatever carbohydrate drink I had at the time. I think it was high five. That's how I got around my Roth spin. And then on the run, I think maybe I had a gel and jelly babies because my stomach absolutely cannot handle the any type of weird food or anything like it's crazy but that that was rookie like that was 2013 yeah. you know i've learned an awful lot since then yeah but, you know who, who across the line though yeah you got your medal you got your t-shirt but who, who would have thought you had to bring your own sliced pan over to germany and your and, and your own uh, jar of, of, of uh, strawberry jam one tip i would give people who are, who are maybe doing their first Ironman uh event this year and it's been a long time coming is to pack in your streetwear bag after you finish the race, pack something uh, savory or something you, you look forward to eating. So for me, it's a Snickers, it's a can of Club Orange, and it's a pack of uh, either Pringles or Snack Jacks, salt and vinegar flavored. The number of races where I've, you know, the final 10K, I've got through the final 10K with just the thought of those salt and vinegar Pringles uh, and, and, and the Snickers. And like I, I pack in my suitcase Snickers, uh, can of Club Orange, uh, and the and the, and the uh, Pringles, and they go with me. Just you just just don't know don't know if they have they don't have Club Orange over there wherever you're heading. Yeah, or they might only have Pepsi instead of Coca Cola, or they might yeah. not have any of the brands that you that you want. From your own experience, what keeps you coming back to full distance racing? So you've talked about how Sprint and Olympic was the first maybe eight years of your your training and your triathlon, but why long distance and why Ironman? Um, to be honest, I'm too slow for sprint distance races. <laughs> I'm too far down the field now. Um, no, no, seriously. I, I, to be honest, I think 70.3 is a, is a class distance. It starts in the morning. Most people are, are done within five, six, seven hours. So it's done by lunchtime. Um, you can still, you know, you meet your family afterwards, have lunch with them. You're not wrecked for many days afterwards. For me personally, it's still the challenge. It's it's the, it's seeing new places, and and still the challenge for the full distance. I know this year, due to you know the COVID and, and uh, races being carried over, I'm doing Lanza, which I've done before, and doing Kona, which I've done before. Are you going to um, Kona, are you? Have I mentioned it? No. Um, so, as I said to you, next year, I'm going to go to new places. I'm looking forward to, to new destinations and, and new experiences. Do you enjoy living the lifestyle that you have embraced? It, it sounds cheesy, um, but you, you, have to, you have to enjoy the journey. You have to enjoy the process. But, like, I'm, I'm very fortunate where I live here. There is um, locally called Big Wood, which is actually a small wood that I get to run around two or three times every single week and the bluebells are, are about to pop out and it's just class just running out in in nature and being able to do that is class going to the swimming pool and and being able to swim and maybe have a chat with your mates or go out for a spin on your bike and have a have a coffee stop that's that's amazing like there's so much stress and worry going on in the world for, for, for a few hours for you to be able to go out on the bike and climb a hill and get to the top and stop and enjoy the view that's a wonderful thing to be able to do of the three sports which is your preferred one swim bike or run and why if i had to just choose one i think it'd be the running uh it's just so, so convenient put on the runners you know, five minutes and in, in the woods running up and down hills the kids always laugh at me because i come back and have a big stupid smile on my face and they go what did you see today dad and i went well i saw two squirrels i saw a bunny rabbit and i saw a hawk and i, I get them to guess which animals i saw today and it's just just it's just wonderful i think my, my physique allows me to become a decent biker um i'm, I'm quite 
uh, quite flexible and get it into a decent position on the bike and I can motor along quite well on the bike. Um, I'm basically answering a like all three, but basically the, the swim during the summer, our local lake is called Kamla, Kamla Lake, and you, it's sort of a dog leg, and you, you swim out about 300 meters, and you're just there in the evening, the sun's setting behind you, and you're looking down about two kilometers of a, of a lake, and you're there by yourself, and it's just, it's just class, it's just pure class. All of it, to be honest, but I had to pick one to be, be the running, but I really missed the other two. I notice how you say in the summer when you're swimming in the lake, do you not get into the water in the winter, Oliver? Are you mad? Are you crazy? No. So I got uh, in uh, Wales, we did a, a Wales uh, September 19. I did a practice swim. I was only in the water for, like you know, stop start for about 20 or 30 minutes with some of my athletes. And it was nice temperature normally. But I came out and I was shaking like a fool. Like I, uh, my wife and my daughter had to help me get chains and get warmed up. At least on a race day, you're you're swimming fast and going hard. Like, but oh no, uh, there's uh, you've, you've mentioned Karen and Lane. Uh, they they do the you know the open water dipping. I, I don't know. It's painful. I don't know how you do it. Fair fair play. To I my wife talked me into doing it. My wife does it as well. I walked in to my knees. And this is the pain in my shins. I, I felt like I was being stabbed. It was awful. I don't <laughs> see the enjoyment in it at all. Well, to be fair, I haven't actually been in the open water in the sea. I think I went in in Lanzarote and I thought that was kind of cool, um, as in cold. I haven't been in the sea, I'd say, here since, oh, wow, I'd say early March, maybe the end of February. But it's about time now I got back in because I think it's up back up into the teens of temperature or at least gone over 10 at one point um 10 degrees last week and yeah but you're, so. you're 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 proper you're, you're in, in your swimsuit i would oh, yeah. want a thermal wetsuit and i'd be still wearing the gloves and, and the, the, the booties and everything oh my god no no i, I don't know stop for me i think i think it's good i want to ask you a little bit about covid and training post covid because um you did get covid quite recently so you are out the far side of it but how has the training been post-COVID and how are you feeling? Um, feeling 100% now. Uh, at the time I got it, it if, if the word COVID uh, wasn't around, I would have put it down as a, as a cold. It was a head cold with a sore throat, personally for me, um, for two days and then another two days of, of, of uh, isolation, keeping away from everyone. And then on the fifth day, tested negative, sixth day, tested, tested negative as well. So that was me done that was the covid done and dusted i thought when i went back training uh the first week after i, I got out from isolation the, the training sessions the heart rate was way up uh 30 beats up more than normal and so that wasn't pleasant uh the week after that the sessions the heart rate came down a bit but the sessions continued to feel far too hard far harder than they should and then it was weird. I did a run on, on a Sunday and it, it was too hard. It felt too hard. And then I, 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 on the next run on the Tuesday, it, it, the heart was back to normal. The effort level was back to normal. It was only, for me, personally, it was like a switch. It just changed. It was weird as hell. However, I've had athletes and you, you read in the press about people who've had it and the, those sort of feeling harder than they should effects can, can last a very long time. You know, can can drag on for months for for some people. As a coach, you know, we'll have athletes listening into the episode today who will have had COVID recently, may have had it for the second or even the third time, and are now facing into some races that they would hope to be able to complete for the 2022 season. What advice would you give to those athletes now trying to return to sport post COVID? You're going to have to keep it low key, uh, low intensity. Shortened down the uh, the duration of the session, and and you're you're looking more for a green light that you're you're okay to, to pick up the intensity further on down the line. There's a certain amount of training you need to do to improve your fitness, but there's a lot less that you need to do to just maintain where you're at. So you're not you're not you may not be gaining, but you're not regressing. You're not losing fitness. So when you're you know when you're in that stage. You go into more maintenance mode. Um, you know, you, you carry on doing your, your yoga and your strength work and things like that there to keep your, yourself in good nick. But maybe the volume and intensity comes way down until it passes. And it, 
you don't know. You can't force it. You know, if you start ramping things up and, and forcing it, uh, your body could reject it, and you could be back to square one, and uh, it could really hurt you long long term. So I know uh, recently, professional athlete Joe Skipper has announced that he that he went over to Ironman South Africa, and he was one of the, he was the favourite for the event, and I think he only finished uh, fourth. And on his uh, shortly after, he, he tested positive for COVID, and that was obviously. At that level, uh, 1% being affected by the virus is, is going to make a huge difference. So and now he, he's humming and hawing about what to do in preparation for the Ironman World Championships that's coming up in, in a few weeks' time in St. George, Utah. So again, his livelihood is performing well at these World Championships. But if he pushes it and his body rejects it, what happens then? And if he, if he doesn't push it, he's not going to have the fitness required for a world championship, so it's 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 at that level, it's it's a it's an intriguing question for what what he should do. Speaking of Utah, we are just a couple of weeks away until that very exciting race in St George. So Oliver, to put you on the spot, who uh-huh. are your top three male podium finishers? You don't have to put them in order if you don't want to, but who uh, do you think is going to take the title? Well, I was very I was very disappointed to hear uh, Jan Fredino. Uh, announced he wasn't going to be there and I think uh, Patrick Lange had a, had a bike accident so he's not going to be there so the last uh, number of champions of, of the Ironman events aren't there uh, Sebastian Kinley is still there but it'd be a big he's a former champion but he'd, he'd be a big surprise if, if he win it he wins it the, the main smart money is going on to the Norwegians uh, the, the, the Olympic champion Christian Blumenfeldt uh, has been invited to the event and he's probably the favourite and two-time 70.3 champion Gustav Eden uh, also Norwegian is going to be his main rival so I expect those two guys to be on the podium um, for sure then it's, it's hard not to it's hard to write off Brownlee Alistair Brownlee he, he did his race in Oceanside recently didn't go to plan for him but he's he's a smart racer, and I, I think the challenge of the two Norwegians it, he may may bring out the best in him. To be honest, uh, and I love everyone loves Sanders, Lionel Sanders. Everyone wants Lionel to come, you know, go toe to toe with these guys. So you got the likes of Lionel Sanders and Sam Long and, and Kingley, her Uber bikers. I think it's it's going to be great. It's it's disappointing that Ferdino and Lange is not going to be there, but no, my my, my money is going to be in Blumenfeld, Eden, and oh, I'll go Brownlee or Sanders. That's okay. No, sorry. Um, <laughs> okay. What, well, I wonder have you a wild card as well? Then maybe your your man, the American guy Ben Hoffman. He, mm. he actually came. Uh, he was fourth in the world championships, and he and he and he uh, he ran phenomenally. So if he does that. When you look at the Ironman World Championships, you have to see what athletes are going to be able to run. We used to be sub 240, but more likely it's going to be closer to 235 for these guys. And Blumenfeld, Eden, Brownlee can do that. Sanders has come on really well. I think Hoffman can do that as well. So I think Hoffman might be an outside bet. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then moving on to the ladies. Yeah. Again, we'll start with the disappointing news of Lucy Charles Barkley uh, with a hip. Uh, fracture unfortunately not gonna be on, on the starting line she was the favorites this reigning 70.3 world championship uh world champion so it's disappointing that she's not there uh annie howe from germany is the, is the current champion she's she got beat by uh cat matthews in, in, in lanzarote recently but it's very difficult to read too much into those things because some athletes may be going there under a lot of training fatigue and others may not. So again, like one percent difference can make, can make a huge difference on on the race day. So Anna Anna Howe is going to be hard luck look past her as the champion. Daniela Reef has has nine world championship uh, credentials under her belt. Uh, five seventy point threes and four full Ironman world championships from from Kona. She had a very poor race in, in Oceanside, uh, finished tenth, and then got DQ'd because she was funnily enough she was going too fast through a restricted area and got a DQ. So she was unbeatable for, for a long time. It seems to be on the on the, on the wane slightly. Uh, I think the other main rival for Annie Howe might be her German compatriot, uh, Laura Philippe. Uh, she runs very well. Um, but 
you've got Cat Matthews. I don't know much about her, like, but if she, if she beats Annie Howe in the seventy point three, she's going to be there or thereabouts as well. So, who'd be your wild card for the women? I always uh, love watching uh, Lisa Norden, the, the Swedish athlete who, who uh, got silver in the Olympics in London. Um, she is a phenomenal biker, uh, great swimmer, phenomenal biker. Her runs let her down. Uh, on a few occasions, but I think if she can get the the run that she can do, uh, she could be a, she could be pushing up for the podium. So Lisa Norton is my wild card. Okay, we'll have to make a note of those now, and we have to put those predictions up <laughs> in the in the park tri group. And but, see. What, but what about the big big news? The star performer turning up to join the commentary <laughs> team. What about that? That's a big that's a big coup. I know, isn't it mad? Yeah, all, 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 all the media, all, you know, uh, Joe Skipper and all the boys are talking about. It. I can't wait to meet jo- Joanne Murphy. It's 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 class. I know it is really cool. Uh, heading over to St George for the May event, and then back over to the states in October for Kona and for the seventy point three event in Utah. So it's all very exciting. I'm still kind of pinching I, yeah. myself a little bit. You have a hard life, Joanne. You have a hard I know, life. I know, but it's kind of it's. I suppose the last couple of weeks just getting things sorted and behind the scenes it's all kind of coming together really quickly I've known about it for a while but then it's it's all happening really quick it's like oh my god um I still don't kind of believe it's going to happen until I'm probably on that flight to Vegas and sitting in the car on the way to St George um but look it's an amazing opportunity I'm very grateful to everyone who's kind of made it happen and you know, when you think about it, like 2011 was my first uh, Ironman 70.3 announcing gig. So it's like 10 years uh, working and just turning up and doing a good job. Good job uh, good when job. you can, you know. Um, so I'm very lucky to have the opportunity to travel over. And just like you, Oliver, this is my job. This is what I'm passionate about as well. So I get to be a part of the athlete's journey. Uh, whether they cry or faint or laugh or hug or whatever. I love it. I definitely missed the sweaty hugs and the sweaty high fives, um, you know, 2020 into late 2021. Got lucky last year to get abroad for a couple of races and it was good to be back. So long may it continue. And um, yeah, wow, it's super. It's great. Can't wait. It's great to be back. Great to be back. Mm. Before we go, right, talk to me about motivation. Because we both live the, well, definitely you live the lifestyle, the active lifestyle. You're racing, you're training. You are a shining example for your athletes and for your community of how to live an active lifestyle in the sport of triathlon. But motivation has to wane at some point. I definitely feel like since I came home from, say, Lanzarote slash Malaga, um, it's been really busy. And my motivation to train has just gone through the floor. Probably the first time in a long time. I know I don't have a big goal for training or for racing so far yet this year, but I need a kick in the arse to get moving again. What do you do to motivate your athletes? Motivate me, Oliver. Well, most people start off uh, training for a big goal. The first six, eight, you know, 10 weeks, it's their own mojo. So their own motivation gets them through it. And But every athlete has uh, periods where their, their motivation goes. And that's where you, I, I would highly recommend you use the motivation of other people to get you out the door. So especially Ironman training, it's a lot of it done by yourself. But end of the day, we're, we're in it for health reasons, but also social reasons. So I try to, I try to schedule a plan for, for an athlete that at least one session of swim, bike and run is with other people. So again, like the example of our Monday night spin, there has been Mondays where we've said, oh, the motivation's not been great. But then you get on the bike, you start because you're, you know, there's such there's people you know expecting you there, or you know, as soon as you start, the motivation will rise and you'll you'll feel good and the crack's good. So it's it's the meeting people. So if your motivation drops. Then don't be thinking, right? I'm gonna have to go out and do four hours on the bike. You shouldn't have to do it. I think you're 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 making a decision. You you should meet your mates, and instead of doing four hours by yourself, that's going to demotivate you even further. Contact some of your mates. Go for a coffee spin. Yes, it, it may not, you know, push your your fitness to a higher level, but fitness is nothing without motivation. Like your your fitness will go into the into the shitter if you don't get training so meet your mates for a coffee spin go for an hour chat 
stop, have a coffee, have a bun, cycle home. And if you do that, you, you will come round. So whether it be a track session or a coffee spin or in the summer meeting your friends on a Wednesday night to go swim in the lake and, and make it social, bring your coffee, bring a pack of biscuits, that's, uh, that will keep the motivation going and that will keep you on the fitness journey and will ultimately lead to a higher level of fitness. I love it. I'm hoping to get out on the bike today or tomorrow for a little spin. Hopefully the weather isn't too bad. We probably have a lot of people who are planning on maybe doing an Ironman for the first time or doing an Ironman for the very first time since maybe 2019. They haven't raced. Similar to yourself, they won't have done a long distance race for a while or they will be doing their very first Ironman distance race. What would be the one piece of advice you would give them to consider between now and their race? Reduce your expectations. Some people go to Ironman expecting to do this time or that time. And if it's your first one, take take time out of the equation, take expectations out of the equation. You've never done anything that long before. Um, you don't know how you're going to react to the heat, to the uh, euphoria, to the adrenaline that goes on at different stages. You don't know how you're going to, there's going to be uh, dark times on the bike and on the, on the run. You don't know how you're going to react to that you don't be putting pressure on yourself looking at your watch saying oh i should be running five minutes per kilometer and now it's it's you know five ten oh my god i need to speed up or i need to slow down just just enjoy the challenge as best you can take the expectations out of it uh but if you are doing it your your, your first full ironman i highly recommend about about nine weeks out do your big training day especially if it's your first one do your big training day about nine weeks out that gives you time then uh, to improve it. If, if, if things need to be tweaked, you've got you've got time. If you leave it too close to the event, then if, if it doesn't go well, you, you don't have much room to, to play around with. But if you do a, do the big training day, the metric training day, about nine weeks out, that gives you time to, to improve things. You you know you want to finish that that metric training day. It's a long day. It's like it's it's, eight, it's an eight hour day, and you want to know okay if I just carry on doing that type of pace that type of nutrition that uh, timing of nutrition that quantity of nutrition i will get to the finish line so will you take your own advice and have you set a time for lanzarote and for kona uh, oh yeah you put me on the spot now haven't you lanza i've done lanza twice and, and i've danced around the 10 and a half hour mark they, they keep changing the course bits, bits of the island keep falling into the sea so there's a famous El Golfo loop that, uh, that's, that's, that's through the lava fields. It's very uh, iconic and scenic, but it ha- a bit of the road has fallen into the sea. So they've, they've cut that out of it. So it, it changes the bike course a little bit from what I um, have done before. But for me, I'll be about 65 minutes, give or take, for the swim. I'll be six hours on the bike, give or take a few minutes. And the run, if I could, I'd love the breaks, 3.30. I've run sub 330 in, in, in Wales twice, which is not a flat course, but uh, in the heat, I think I've never gone faster than 335 in, in, in Kona. So if I can go a bit faster than that in Lanza, it, 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 it's encouraging for what I could do maybe in Kona. And have you eyes on the prize in Kona for a particular time or are you going out to enjoy it and relish the opportunity to be back on the big island? The Yeah, I'm gonna, I, I enjoy... The, uh, I enjoy the atmosphere. In 2019, I had uh, three athletes uh, qualify for it. I, I went over and uh, supported them and coached them at that. And the, the build up that race week of, of Ironman is just phenomenal. Like you're, you're at uh, the famous Digme Beach at the pier, and it's a little tiny, tiny beach. You know, it's only about you know, 20 meters long, it's tiny. At, at seven o'clock in the morning and you were shoulder to shoulder with, you know, Jan Fridino's there and Lionel Sanders is there and Lucy Charles is, is diving in. It's just wonderful. You dive in and there's all the tropical fish and turtles and, and dolphins. It's like, it's, it's like a Mecca and a Disneyland for, for us long distance uh, weirdos. <laughs> Final question. Apart from your trip to Lanzarote and your trip to the Big Island, what are you most looking forward to in the season ahead? I'm most looking forward to the, there's a, a cinnamon bun in Lanzarote the size of your head. <laughs> what do you, what do you call what do you call the, the main cafe? They they they, they uh, everyone stops in Lava Java. La, yeah, I was there the, the first time and it was you know 
a couple of weeks before the race and they had this cinnamon bun and I was like, oh my God. Uh, and uh, I said, no, I can't have it. I'm going to race. Can't have it, can't have it. And then the day after, ah, oh, it was beautiful. So I'm looking forward to that. So of the whole season ahead. The whole season, there's one to. cinnamon bun, yeah. Do you okay. want a serious answer? Yes, please. Okay. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing my athletes and, and the other athletes at the end of the events. It's, I'm getting to the stage now. I'm in, uh, <clears throat> it's hard to believe I know, but I'm in my 40s. I enjoy the crack. I, the race is, is important, yes, but afterwards, the war stories, the banter, the slagging, that is, is my driving force, to be honest. Uh, it's to be part of that and to enjoy that. Uh, so after Lanza or Sheephaven or Kona or whatever the race is, it's hopefully in a, with the sun shining down on you and you're having a coffee and a sandwich and you're chatting the crack with the people. Um, that's what that's what I love. Brilliant, I love it. Well, I hope you do get your cinnamon bun in Kona. I might even <laughs> buy one for you. Thanks very much. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining me on the show, Oliver Harkin. Best of luck with everything. I look forward to seeing you on the Zwift Spin on Monday night and seeing you in person at some point over the course of the rest of the year. Thanks so much. Bye. Thanks very much, Joanne. Bye bye. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. You can get in touch with any feedback or guest suggestions by emailing me on trytalkingsport at gmail.com. You can follow all of our activities and podcasts on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn and Instagram. Pop by, say hi, let me know what you think of the show. If you're new to the show, please do check out some of our previous episodes. You will be impressed and inspired by our guests. Finally, be sure to sign up to our e-zine featuring articles of interest, some great discounts and the inside track on supporting your triathlon and endurance sport journey, wherever it may take you. Sign up on the website. It takes 30 seconds and I promise I won't bombard your inbox with emails. Just the important stuff. Until next time, stay safe, keep smiling and remember to look for fun and adventure in every day.